This is Take Action Q&A. I'm your host, Ry Taylor, and we are going to have a blast exploring creativity, leveraging passion, and changing the world, all in 10 minutes or less. So let's get started with some amazing experts and actionable steps in 3, 2, 1. Hey, Take Action Tribe. If you're like me, understanding automation in business is essential. And today we have Daryl Urbanski on the show, the automated income stream expert. Daryl is the founder and president of bestbusinesscoach.ca, and you can also find him topping the charts in Amazon with his book, Ancient Secrets of Lead Generation. From author to speaker, marketer to coach, Daryl's multifaceted business approach sets him apart as one of the leading business experts of his generation. And we get to have him on the show today. Daryl, it's great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Rai. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's an honor and pleasure to be here. Well, it is really exciting. Have uh, just really enjoyed your stuff. I've been researching you for a while now, just discovering what you're all about. I know that you genuinely want to help people with this. And so the big question I've got for you now is, are you ready to take action with Q&A? I'm ready to take action. All right, let's do it. Daryl, this is what I'm hearing from dozens and dozens of budding entrepreneurs. Automation seems to be my elusive holy grail in business. I have established myself as an authority in several different niches, but everything I do demands all of my attention. I'm terrible at setting up systems and procedures and find that part of my business frustrating and unauthentic to my brand. How can I use automation for success and keep my message fresh? Mm, yeah, that's, that's a really good question. And there's a couple of interesting points in there that we should highlight. So first of all, there's two different pieces. One is just about being busy with busy work and doing everything yourself. And the other part is uh, what they said is keeping your message fresh. So the first part I'm going to address is this automation often is it comes down to, to scale. Like as one person, you only only have so many hours in a day. There's only so much that you can do. And as one person, you can't do all of it. So before technology and all these advancements, a lot of times to automate, quote unquote, would be to have a team available, to have people trained up that could do the work for you, to have a system and process for onboarding new people, getting them trained up so they could produce the same result the same way as everyone else. So there's something I picked up from Michael Gerber and it was, he called it the rule of 10,000. And this is a really good way to think about it where when you're caught doing everything in your business, you need to write down what are the top business activities that you have and then try and think about how would I handle 10,000 of these? So how would you handle 10,000 phone calls? How would you train 10,000 sales reps? You know, even for you, right? How would you manage 10,000 podcast interviews? Wow. Hmm. Right? Like, how mm-hmm. would you do that? If you had that on the docket, you're like, all right, we're going to do 10,000 of these. I got to get 10,000 experts lined up. So we got to have a system to contact all these people, right? Like, we've got to have a process. We got to, like, you'd start looking for solutions. And so it's almost like if the what is large enough, you figure out the how. But if you don't have that, and I, I learned that from John Asraf, um, but he used to say that, and I think that really makes a lot of sense, is if you, if your what is big enough, you figure out the how. And that's what's been really true in my life. And so, again, you want to focus on that rule of 10,000. And so when you're busy doing everything yourself, um, that's, what ke- that's what's keeping you small in a lot of instances. So it's, it's kind of a weird disconnect to produce a result. And I'm building a team myself now, and I'm, I'm experiencing it kind of again. I've experienced it a couple of times, but it's just really fascinating to, like, to show up and have something done 
for you. And in, in essence, I think especially entrepreneurs, we're very much doers. We're, we're like addicted to being busy and to doing things and we want things done our own way. And another mentor of mine years ago told me, Daryl, everyone's going to be a beta version of you. You just have to admit that in your business. Everyone's always going to be a beta version of you. And unless you accept that, uh, you're never going to be able to let go of the reins. And what really, really matters is the end result and the quality and that there's lots of different things to accomplish the same thing. So I wanted to identify that because when someone says that, they, you know, that they're good with establishing themselves as an expert, um, but at it, everything demands their attention, that's because they're not building a team and that's because they're not, they're not thinking in terms of how do I scale this. Does that make sense? It does, and that is huge. I'm just blown away by that. I'm thinking through it as you're speaking because I've got a VA that's a full-time VA, and I love the aspect of I can give her tasks to do, and she works over in the Philippines. So I go to sleep, and in the morning, I have stuff produced. But when you put it in the perspective of if I needed to get 10,000 experts on the podcast, <laughs> wow, I haven't even thought about the how of how I can make this uh, much more automated and a better system them and that's a big deal yeah and that's exactly it and again that's where a lot of people get tripped up and fails because they're the most important person in their business and if you're the most important person in your business like you were saying before we started the recording if you get sick you get a cold suddenly everything falls apart in fact i just referred someone um, to a guy to help him with a membership site and his father had a stroke and thank goodness he's okay but that tripped him up because this guy, you know, he already has full-time work and then he takes kind of side projects. And because he's kind of the singing and dancing bear, quote unquote, you know, when he wasn't able to be on point, like things started getting clogged up. And so it's just, and it's not perfect, but it's just, a, it's like a North Star to keep following. So I think that that's really important to focus on that first part of that question. The second part of the question was asking about keeping your message fresh. And this is really important. And in fact, I'm working on a book called Tribal Marketing, How to Double Your Business in 12 Months or Less. Um, it's probably about 80% done. But <clears throat> what that talks about is tribal marketing is you have tribes in your business. So when you're talking about keeping your message fresh, that's where you need to start learning how to, how to do two-step marketing and how to manage a database. That's really, really, really important. So Gary Halbert, um, that's at least where I first heard it from, uh, once through his, through his newsletter, I guess, I learned about two-step marketing. And two-step marketing it can really be a game changer, not necessarily on the front end, for some people on the front end, but just even when you really start applying it everywhere. So, Because you've got friends for a reason, friends for a season, and friends for life, right? Mm -hmm. Well, when I go to a restaurant and I go buy food, I'm friends for the reason that I like to go out and eat dinner. But I go eat and then I leave. And they, they, have, they don't know my name. They don't have no idea where I'm at. You know, when they go to do a promotion, they're just picking random zip codes out of that, like out of the phone book. And like, you know, and just buying whatever the, the advertising rep sells them when they show up. But if I showed up to that restaurant and they made me a legitimate offer, like, hey, would you like your drink to be free? Hey, would you like half off on your meal? Something that's like a really good incentive that will actually motivate and inspire me to act. I would sign up for that. And to sign up for that, they have to get my contact information. Well, that's called the two-step. So same thing with an ad. Like pizza, a lot of pizza places, they just have kind of one-step marketing. You get a flyer, it's $29. You just call up and like, boom, you just one step. Two-step marketing is where you just want to find out who's out there that shares this interest. So you often, we call it lead magnets or a widget or uh lead bait, and there's all these other terms, but you want to put something out there that will attract the type of person who's likely to, to buy your product. And even then, I want to just, 
I don't want to go too far off track, but it's not even just getting people to buy your product because that's the wrong way to think about it. It's about helping people. And we also talked about this before the call started, but a business is supposed to help people solve problems. And so you need to put, when you put something out there for free, people see it all the time online now. You want to sign up? Perfect. We'll email it to you. They just don't put it on the webpage, right? And once they do that, now you've got contact information. You can try to build a relationship with someone. And you'll have some people, again, we talked about this before, you've got some people that watch the occasional podcast. You have people that download everything. There's people that are like sitting there waiting for the next podcast to drop. You know, so you got friends for a reason, friends for a season, and friends for life. And same thing in your audience. There's different levels of engaged people and there's different levels of responsiveness. And you don't know who those people are. If you don't do two-step marketing, then it's just this big, like, you just kind of have like a gut feeling about who these people are, as opposed to actually having, knowing who they are, having their contact info, being able to pick up the phone and call them. So to tie this all back together about keeping your message fresh is that your message in the unknown universe, people who you don't know yet, shouldn't, like that can always be changing. But then once you get people, depending on what stage they are, what tribe they are, you know, because in your business, you've got the unknown universe, people that you don't know who, if they know you and you have no idea who they are, then there's people who know who you are, but you have no idea who they are. And then you've got like your lead list, people who you know each other, you've got their contact info, they know how to contact you. And then you've got your buyers and then you've got your multi-buyers and then you've got people that have just fallen off the wayside that came to business with you and either you know, they've, their problem is solved now and they've moved on or, you know, they bought once or twice, but now they've found somebody else. And so you've kind of have these different tribes in your business. So when it comes to keeping your message fresh, um, once you get a business fully built out with this, it's not even necessarily about it being fresh. It's about kind of like a choose your own adventure. Um, a good friend and mentor of mine, Jermaine Griggs, gave me great advice where he just said, just follow your relationships with 10 of your customers and then apply like the rule of 10,000. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have one, for example, you have one customer that buys a product. All right. Well, great. I want to make sure that they're happy and that I over deliver. But how would I do that for 10,000 people? Oh, this person had, you know, this person asked for a refund or they didn't, they, they got it and they didn't know how to use it. How do we train, provide training for 10,000 people or even the refund? Somebody asked for a refund. Great. How would I process 10,000 refunds? What if I had 10,000 people knocking on my door? What, how would I handle that then? So you got your 10 people and you follow them through your business. And then you design your systems and your job descriptions and everything around that. I love it. I, I am just amazed by this. I mean, you're giving some great content, but I want to follow up with the 10,000, okay? The rule of 10,000. A lot of people that listen to the show, they're really trying to break in as online entrepreneurs, but they're not quite there yet. So they're doing this on a part-time basis. How are they supposed to apply this rule when they're not even full-time themselves? Got it. Well, you still would start with the mentality. And so uh, a reality that a lot of people, um, and I don't know, this might might start some controversy, but a lot of people don't realize like the hierarchy of, like if, if for me in any business, there's a hierarchy of jobs and nothing, nobody else in the company is really needed until we've got sales. Mm-hmm. Like if there's no sale, like we'll just use McDonald's, but if there's no sale, then you don't need the front desk that like you don't need the cook, you don't need the equipment, you don't need any of that, right? And it helps to have that preparation done, but especially when you're new and you're a budding entrepreneur, you, your idea isn't even vetted. 
set a goal. Be like, look, if I could sell 50 of these, I'll just sell people and then I'll refund their money. Or what I've seen gyms do is they'll set up like a trailer outside where they're building the gym and they'll start pre-selling memberships. You know, and there's some that I've heard, I, I don't know for sure, but I've heard that they actually didn't even start construction. They just got permission from the property. Like they just paid for like a month or two of rent to set up the trailer there and just sold memberships. And they're like, are like, is there enough people here? Are we getting enough traction that the build out will pay for itself? Because the biggest, the biggest mistake people make in uh, the biggest mistake people make in business is they go out and they just if I build it, they will come. I mean, the business graveyard is littered. It is just littered with quality products and services that nobody knew about. You know, it's like that Zen quote: "If a tree falls in the wood and no one's there to hear it, doesn't make a sound." Well, if you build the world's greatest gadget and nobody knows, does it actually exist? So the first thing you need to do is you need to figure out the sales process. So someone that's doing this part-time on their side, they need to figure out the sales process. That is the most valuable thing in the company, hands down. And sometimes you can, like some products like the iPod kind of sell themselves, but for a lot of people, they depend on sales and marketing to survive. And so that is your business. Everything else, everything else is not as important because if you get an influx of 50 customers, that extra money will help you hire, train people, right? It'll, you can give people some of their money back if they're not happy. You can just give people their money back. And if you sell 50 and 10 people aren't happy, you give those 10 their money back and you apologize profusely and, and over-deliver for the other 40. So when you're starting out, it's not going to be pretty and it's not going to be perfect, but you got to get the sales down first and foremost. You have to figure out who are, like, even before who, because this is another thing that trips people up is they always focus on, oh, my my client is, you know, uh, male, 24, like, you know, like this description. But that's not like you gave, right? I was impressed because you knew the problem you were solving. These are, you know, you were telling me a lot of these people, they're, like you said, they're working somewhere else and they've these are 10-minute bite-sized info bits because people don't have a lot of time and they're trying to get this up and running while they're like doing their nine to five or whatever else they're committed to. Mm. And that's a problem. See, newspapers forgot that. They stopped focusing on what the problem was that they were solving. They, they thought they were in the business of delivering wads of paper with advertising in them to people's, you know, with interesting stories. Um, and so they, you know, a lot of people were late to jump online. They were too focused on what they were doing and not the problem that they were solving and continually trying to solve it better. So, so focus on the problem that you're going to solve first, and that should leave you to, lead you to an avatar for the people most likely to pay to get help to solve it. And then you have to develop your sales and marketing systems to contact and to nurture that relationship and close those sales on a scale of 10,000 people if you want a business that's actually going to do something. And that's where their time and energy should be focused. Wow. You know, I hate to stop this, Daryl. I hate to stop this because you are giving us so much great content. And guys, if you want to follow up with Daryl, you need to go to bestbusinesscoach.ca. I mean, you can definitely hear he's got the expertise. He knows what he's talking about, and he can help you with those systems. And you can also find all this information out on the show notes and all the resources mentioned today at takeactionradio.com forward slash TAQ31. Daryl, thank you so much for giving us this great information in 10 minutes or less. You're welcome, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Hey, if you guys got a question that you're dying to ask an expert, send it to me at connect at takeactionradio.com. I'd love to hear from you. And until next time, guys, this is Rye Taylor, and now it's your turn to take action.
tiger.